Good morning, all that are listening to us and those that are here this morning. Uh, it's great to be. It's great to be uh, our way back into church, uh, into the church building, and uh, it's exciting to uh, God. Well, to know this is going to happen more and more um, uh, over the next few weeks. If you were listening last week, we were, I sort of was trying to share a little bit about my heart around how uh, serving the Lord is is a miracle. It's it's a very it's a miracle in itself because you know nobody by very nature wants to be in the service of God. Our very nature is to is ultimately want to do our own thing. And so you know to actually be called out of this world into then to be in a place of serve. So this idea of of serving God is in itself it's we should we should in in one, some ways rejoice knowing this is what God God is doing in our lives. So I want us to um I want us to reflect on that this morning as I pray. I want us to pray, and most importantly this morning as we do pray, I want us to think about how God wants to speak to you, us, me. I want, how does God want to speak to you? Because um, you're not, we're not here for a, um, you know, a, a entertainment. We're not here to be educated. Uh, we're here for God to speak and for God to work in your heart. Um, and God forbid that we ever we ever see church as a place just to uh, um, le- be, be like learning from a from a from a mind perspective. But we would see church as a place that we would come and grow and be challenged and sharpened in the things in the things of the Lord. So I'm going to pray this morning, and I ask you to think about. Asking the Lord to, to, for, to take away something this morning that you're going to really remember in your hearts. That perhaps by the end of this message, you're able to say to yourself, Lord, here's one thing. Here's one thing I can take away from this message this morning. That if someone was to ask you this morning, if someone was to say to you, what is it? What is it? It's one thing that Lord spoke to your heart about that you're going to take away this morning. That you're going to be able to say, this is one thing that the Lord is able, spoke to my heart about this morning. So let's pray and ask God to, to do that, to work in our lives. Um, and to speak the very thing that needs to be spoken. Let, join me as we, um, as we pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning, Lord God. Thanks for the privilege uh, of being um, on site for this, for this time. Even though it's small, we, we want to thank you that uh, over the next few weeks, we pray that um, things continue to get better and that we can have more and more in fellowship with each other. But Father, even in this time, we believe that you are in the midst of us, wherever we are, all over the world, Lord. We believe that you are in the midst of us because we come in the name of Jesus. And we pray this morning, whether we are young or old, whether we've been Christians for a short time or for a long time, that our hearts are open to listen to you. Lord, we pray, open our hearts. Open our hearts to hear your voice. And as you speak to our hearts this morning, help us to remember and to take from this morning the word that you have for us. Lord, please do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Do the work that needs to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I was uh, I began talking about Titus chapter two. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Titus in chapter two. And I was looking at verses eleven to fourteen, and just looking at this idea that God is calling us for service. It's a miracle. It's a miracle to be in the in the service of God. 
And this idea of Titus 11 to 14, chapter 2, 11 to 14, there's a whole range of things in this passage. But what I want to particularly focus on is what is it that God is, what is that God is particularly trying to say when it comes to his service, you know, in the service of God. And um, I think at the end of the day, this is beautiful idea that God is creating people who are zealous for his work because he's a God that's very powerful in, in doing what he has to do. So there's a powerful God and there's a zealous people. And I, and I want us to think about this in light of what, what Paul is saying. There's probably many angles that we can take this passage from, but I really want to hone in on what is it that actually, what it means to be in the service of God, because it really is a miracle. So this morning I pray that if you're listening, it's one of two things. Either you have this great desire to serve the Lord, or you have this, 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 this desire to want to serve the Lord, like as in you, wanna, you want the desire you know, to serve the Lord. So if, if you feel like this morning it's kind of lacking, lacking in some ways because the power of God's Spirit can accomplish this in us. God's Spirit can be working this in us. And so what you don't want to be saying is, I'm a Christian and I'm happy not to be in God's service. So you don't want to be saying that because like I was saying last week, that the two don't go hand in hand. You've got, you got to be knowing that God has called you out of this world to be his tool for his work and for his service. So um, Titus, Titus chapter, chapter 2, we'll just read them again, verses 11, verses 11 to 14. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared, has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works, who are zealous for good works. This is a beautiful passage. God, the Apostle Paul is kind of capturing all together this idea that we are called out of this world and we're called into the service, into the service of God. Do you remember um, um, a long time ago in the book of the Old Testament, God had his people, had his people that were captive in Israel, in Egypt. Remember that story? They were captive in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. Okay, So really, they were under a hard taskmaster. They were under the hand of Pharaoh. Pharaoh made them work, so they were servants. Pharaoh made them work, they were slaves. But the hand of Pharaoh was a very hard taskmaster. You know, It's how we live life without God. It's like burdens. It's the burdens of life that carry us through, hoping to achieve the things that we want to achieve, the dreams that we want to have in life. It's kind of a bit of a picture like this. Until God basically said, enough's enough. These people are in slavery. They're not designed for this. This is not how I designed my people to be. I didn't want my people to live under bondage. Do you get that? That's not how God wanted his people to live. So he finds Moses. He gets Moses eventually after a number of events. He gets Moses and he says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go back to Pharaoh. I want you to go back to Egypt now and I want you to deal with the matter. You're going to be my voice. And what he particularly told Moses to do was this. I want you to go back to Pharaoh. And in about, about four or five occasions in the Old Testament, he says a very similar thing to Moses. So it's not once. And, you, and we kind of wonder if God says it again and again and again, it must be pretty significant. Yeah, it wasn't just once. He says it about five times in the Old Testament. 
He says, he says to Moses, I want you to go back to Pharaoh and I want you to say this to him. Thus says the Lord. Well, that's enough to make you, make you tremble. <laughs> Thus, God saying something to you, Pharaoh, listen. Look at me. God's saying something to you. Thus says the Lord. Uh, this is Exodus. This, this particular reference is Exodus 8.1. He says, let my people go that they may serve me. <laughs> Look at that. Once, twice, okay, maybe three, four, five times. I mean, this is pretty serious. This is something that's close to heart, God's heart. He goes, because what he's saying, I, I see them serving. I see them in slavery. I see them under a hard taskmaster. But Moses, I want you to go back to Pharaoh. And the, what I want you to tell Pharaoh is this. You've got to let my people go because they need to serve me. The, let them go. Get them out of here. They're no longer yours. Finished. I don't want them under your hand. I want them in my hand. I want them serving me. Pharaoh, it's done with them serving you. It's done. Let my people go. And if you don't, I'm going to put all these plagues upon you because I want my people back. You get that? How great's God's love? How great's his love? And then Jesus hung on a cross and said a very similar thing. He said, it's finished. It's finished. It's done. They're mine now. It's like he was saying to the devil, they're not yours anymore. It's done. Let them go. Because they're going to serve me now. No longer under your captivity, no longer under your slavery, no longer under your attitude and mentality of this world, no longer under the pursuits of the things that this world want to pursue. It's done, devil. They're mine. How great God's love is. Let them go. And of course, they, 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 they were resistance because that's the devil was going to resist. I'm not letting them go that easily. You know? and, but, but God, at the end of the day, had his way and his power and he broke the bondage in Egypt and he breaks the bondage of sin today and he says, now you are free to serve. You are free in the name of the Lord. Go serve in the name of the Lord. And I don't care what it is. But you're serving in the name of the Lord. Even if you're stopping by and you're picking up a coffee and you're sharing the name of Jesus with someone, because this is the fruit of the Christian. You see, you go in the name of the Lord and anything you do in the name of the Lord is the service of the Lord because you're free now to go and serve. And you know what? We haven't got much time. The, thing, the truth and the reality is God, in his grace, has given us this little season in eternity, this little season that we call now 2021, this little season to do what we've got to do in the light of eternity. It's very small, but one day we'll leave this earth and we need to know that what we left on this earth was what God wanted us to do for his kingdom. That some left a mark in some way, influence in some way for the name of Jesus. Not our names, his name. If you're at school still, you've got a season. That season's going to end. If you're in high school, there's a season. That season's going to end. One day you're not going to be at that same school. Use it. If you're in your workplace there's a time, that workplace, you're going to leave. Use it. Use it now for that time you're there. Don't think, oh, I'm going to work again. 
Use it now because one day you're not going to be there anymore. You'll move on to a different workplace or you'll move on and retire, whatever it is. Use it now for God's kingdom where he has placed you. You're free to serve. You're free in the Lord. Go do things in the name of the Lord. No wonder why the Apostle Paul says that whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, we do for the glory of God. So he says, go, you're free to serve. Remember, it's like what Jesus did. Jesus basically told his disciples, all authority is given to me. All authority is mine. Now go make disciples. He's saying the same thing. The authority and the power is mine. I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and serve. And it's not about a showcase of service. It's not about us trying to showcase the service of the Lord as if to say, you know what, you know, this is one type of service, but this is another kind of service. Do you remember, this, do you remember that game show, Sale of the Century? Do you guys used to watch that game show, Sale of the Century? And then, you know, they come at the end of the show, and then there were this host of games, that, um, prizes at the end, and then often you hear something like, and then it was the, the new car, you know? It was, like, it was like you had all these little fridges and dishwashers and a trip overseas. And then it was the new car, you know? It was like, the, that's not the ministry of the Lord. We don't showcase the things of the Lord as if there was some better than the other. Oh, you know, there's the people who pack the chairs. There's the people who make the coffees. There's the people who do the ushering. And then there's the missionaries. We don't do that. Everything in the name of the Lord is the service of the Lord. You get that? If the Lord touches one heart through us, then that's one heart for the kingdom. And, and, and God's insistent. He says, you've got to let them go. They're, they're not yours. They're done, done being yours because they're mine for the kingdom. They're mine to serve in the kingdom. And so last week when we, sw- we spoke about verse 11, we spoke about how the grace of God has appeared unto all men and how we talked about how this, this whole experience that we have is experience that began with God. And if something begins with God, I get off my big, proud um, place and I lower myself and realize, God, then it's your work. I don't, I don't think somehow that I've engineered this doing what I do, and somehow I'm kind of the author of what I'm doing. Everything starts with God, and we start, and we remain humble. <laughs> In some ways, it's like, it's like this, and don't get, this wrong, don't, don't get me wrong here. It's like somehow God wants us to think that we've got something to do with it, but really, at the end of the day, he's the author of it. And he asks us to follow it's like the other day I was going for a walk and I saw this little, I think it was a little girl on a bicycle and the bicycle was attached to her dad's bicycle. Yeah, and her dad was riding the bike. But she was like just pedaling away, you know, pedaling away, pedaling away. And like as if she's doing something, as if she's somehow helping the process. But she was just kind of really doing nothing. She's like pedaling you know, and she's just holding on. As long as she held on, she was going places. God's the author. He's the author of this. He asks, follow, come, follow, follow. I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but the idea is that we trust that God is in the work. He's leading the way of the work, and we're following in his footsteps. We don't, we don't think, oh, look how good I am. Look how great I'm pedaling. Look how fast I'm pedaling. You know, this is so good. I got up this hill. 
when the Father really is the one doing the work and we're following. But how great is that adventure? You know, who knows where the Father's going to take us? How great is it? And so we stay humble for this because we know that, he, that we love him because he first loved us. It always begins with him. It always begins with him. And what I like about this is um, the idea that we begin to entertain the idea of, of being stewards of God's work. Stewards of God's work. Because we don't, we don't turn around and say, this is our work. We are stewards. And if you, un- if you understand the concept of stewardship, it's something that is given for you to manage and supervise. It's not, not, not something that, that you own or you have or somehow you manage to have yourself. You are in- it's entrusted to you so you can do something with it and watch over it and care for it because this is God's calling in your lives. That's why the, the parable of the talents is so significant. Because if you remember the parable of the talents, it wasn't, it wasn't something that the person received to be begin with. God said to him, his five talents, his two talents, his one talent, and God commended those who worked with those talents that were given by him. And the person who had five said, here, here, master, I've got another five. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the one who had two talents said, here's another two. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the one who had one talent said, oh, you know, you, I was scared of you. You're a really strong man and you, you kind of get money without doing much. And so I buried your talent. I was somehow thinking to myself, maybe I should protect it. Maybe I should take good care of it and not really, not, not really risk it, not, not, not sort of live in a way that's risky. And, and, and the master says, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? I didn't give it to you so you would hide it and hide away and not do anything at all. I gave it to you because I entrusted you with this. And because I entrusted you with this, I, wanted, I expected you to go out and take some risk and become fruitful in the work that I have for you because I am giving this to you. You cannot, you cannot hide away and, and, and call it humility but rather to, to know that God has entrusted us with this. But because he's entrusted us in this, we rely heavily on him. The grace that has appeared to all men, he says, um, uh, does, does keep us humble. And then he says in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age. While we remain humble, listen very carefully, while we remain humble in the service of the Lord, we know, we, we are uh, um, wise enough to know that there are going to be things that will get in, uh, in the way of the service of God. Think about it in your own life. There are obstacles. There are challenges. There are trials. There are temptations that are going to get into the way of the service of the Lord. What are they for you? They're going to come. They're going to come. Remember, the devil is, is, is not, um, fr- he's not uh, freely saying, go, you're relinquished from my responsibility. You know, there's gonna, there are going to come things in your life that are going to stop you from, from the service of the Lord. Some of those things are listed here. This, this ungodliness, this worldly lust, they're going to come in the way, the things that are going to want your heart and want your attention. And if you remain attached to these things, they're going to distract you. If you want these things, they're going to move you away from the things of God. If you desire these things, they're going to stop you and prevent you. And the devil is gladly going to help you do this. 
So Paul says this, you've got to really remember something here, that this grace that has appeared to all men, now that's come because it has, it's come to teach you something. It's come to instruct you and train you in something really important. And it's doing this. It's teaching you how to deny these ungodly habits and these worldly lusts because these things are damaging Imagine if we didn't have a solution for these things. We know that sin is a disease of the soul. And could you imagine if we were left without a remedy? This world, and quite rightly, this world spends so much money and so much time and so much energy into helping us overcome physical diseases, doesn't it? And that's good. That's a good thing. But there's a disease of the soul that doesn't get as much attention. It does get attention because that's why we come up with religions and philosophies and ideas and theories because everyone is trying to resolve this disease of the soul, but they can't do it. And yet God has given us this blueprint, this beautiful way to say, you know what? I know I'm going to send you out there and I know you've got to deal with something that's going to stop you from being who I need you to be. And I've got an answer for it and it's called grace. But unfortunately, over time, this idea of grace has become misunderstood. And while grace should have been your healing remedy, it's become your curse or the church's curse. And I'll explain what I mean. The Apostle Paul was contending with this at the same time in the early church. Uh, Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Yeah, because what was the thinking? Oh, you know, it's okay if I continue sinning because grace will just get bigger even. He says, God forbid. And then he says this, for sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. And so what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate to the church is that the reason why God poured out his grace is that he could deal with the disease of your soul and set you free once and for all. So people might come up to me and say, oh, so you, are you saying to me that this sin that I'm battling with my life, that I can overcome it? And I'll say, okay, look, I'm not saying it, but let's together, let's go to God's word. And God's word is saying, yes, you can. Because what, the God, what God's grace is doing here, it's teaching you how to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, not how to retain ungodliness and worldliness. Do you understand? It's teaching how to deny it, how to put an end to it, how to be released from it so that you can be go and be free to serve and not be dragged down by the things that you continually frustrate you and that you get attached to so they distract you, but rather you can be free from these things so you can go in the name of the Lord, free to serve in the name of the Lord. So that we can learn now, because of God's grace, how to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Because the truth is, this present age has its own quirky and unique challenges 
to the last present age. This present age has a different one, and then one to come will have a different one again. But today, in the community that you live in, with the people that you live in, rely on the grace of God to live soberly and righteously so that you can be a testimony for Christ, that you can be a light and the salt of the Lord Jesus Christ to your people, to your community. Don't get sucked in by them. Don't get sucked in by their behaviors and their dreams and their ambitions. Be, be Christ to them. Be the voice of truth to them. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here, so this is what you need to understand. Grace is there to enable you not to bind you further. It's teaching you to do this. And maybe next week we'll look at this whole passage from Romans 6 that uh, we are now slaves of righteousness because this is it's a very... It's a very beautiful um, passage uh, to look at. So what we have to do now, brothers and sisters, we need to remove every obstacle. Let me ask you, what are the the obstacles that you know, when you're really honest with yourself, that you know are getting in the way of the service of the Lord, that are causing you to fall back into ungodliness and worldly lusts, that are causing you to become attached to this world so much that you become distracted? What are they? You've you got to be honest with yourself. What are they? What are the things that continue, what, the, the habits, the attitudes, the reactions, the, the way of life, the lifestyles? What, what are they? What are they that continue to become obstacles in the things of the Lord? And the Bible says if they are sin and they are taking you away from God and your heart is attached to them, then you need to have the grace of God working in your life. You need to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and allow grace to smash them. You've got to believe that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has set you free. This is God's service. You won't be able to set yourself free. You might have tried again and again and again and again to set yourself free, but still you are um, trapped by the things that you know haunt you and you're doing the things that you know that you always do and before God it's not right and then grace reveals itself and you are set free. This is the goodness of God. This is what God is calling us to do. I want us to, um, if, what, I want us to um, look. I'll read it out to you. This is, this is um, 2 Timothy. If you want to turn to it, you can. But 2 Timothy, I want to, I want to try and really emphasize this point because it's, it's what the Scripture is calling us to do. 2 Timothy, which is just one book before um, Titus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Nevertheless, the Bible says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know, I love this verse. It's a a really interesting verse that I think people often overlook. Have you ever had conversations with people that say goes something like this? Are they Christian? I don't know, but they give their life to Jesus. Oh, yeah, but they they gave their heart to the Lord. But are they a Christian? But they're living like this. Oh, we, we can't judge because they. You know, they, they, they um, made a confession of faith and, and we don't know because God's grace is... And this kind of whole discussion around whether someone's a Christian or not a Christian. And I've always, for many, many years now, I've, I've, I've rested. I've, I've let it go and I've rested because at the end of the day, the Lord knows who he is. And, and, I, and I've used this verse to rest my soul. 
Because I can't look at someone and say, he's a Christian, he's not a Christian, and somehow pass judgment on them. I mean, the fruit they'll tell often, but you know, when it gets kind of the gray area. So the, the Bible releases me from this pressure and says, well, the, the Lord knows who are his. Okay, well, as long as you know God, <laughs> as long as you know, that's the main thing. The Lord knows who are his. And then he gives this, this qualifier, if you like. And so let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Oh, okay. So if you want to be a Christian and if you want to name the name of Christ, well, you're not running to sin, you're running away from it. So I'll leave that to you to decide. I'll leave that to you to work out. But for me, the Lord knows who are his. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, there's also vessels of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, yeah, is that what we're talking about? The grace of God that teaches us how to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. It teaches us how to cleanse ourselves from the latter. He'll be a vessel for honour, sanctified and useful for the master, Prepared for every good work. Wow. Lord, if I come and cleanse myself by the grace of God from these things that, that bind me and, and attach me to this world and the patterns of this world, is then I'll be a vessel of honour prepared for the master, not the Pharaoh master, not the hard task master, but the real master, the master of my soul. I'm equipped for that now. I'm equipped at my workplace. I'm equipped in my school. I'm equipped in my marriage. I'm equipped in my friendships. I'm equipped in the, in the service. of. I'm equipped when I'm doing anything in the name of the Lord. As a, as a vessel of honour, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, if I think I can shortcut things and think, that's okay, I've got a good reputation and people look at me and they see that I'm good at this and I'm good at that and I've been in the church for many years and I've got a good kind of standing amongst my Christian friends and I think I can somehow shortcut and let a few little sins in my life and a few little attachments in this world in my life that are not good for me, then that's wrong. Because God sees who are his. And I want to maintain a vessel of honour. I want to be a vessel of honour, useful, sanctified, set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I don't want to leave my house on a Sunday morning having yelled and screamed and swore at my wife and then come and preach to you like I'm a nice holy man. What's that? But I'm sanctified. By the grace of God, useful for the master, set apart for every good work. What I am Saturday night should be no different than what I am Sunday morning. Because this is, the, this, is the grace, this is the grace of God. Verse 13, if we go back, look at verse 13, we'll finish it up. Uh, 13 and 14. Uh, so, and so, so what we've looked at so far, when we come to the service of the Lord, is the humility, Yeah? The grace of God that's appeared, so it's, it's this humility, it starts with God. Secondly, there's purity, yeah? We're cleansing ourselves from the things that are getting in the way. And now look what he says. Looking for the blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, where does this fit in? In the service of God. I want you to think about something. Every human effort, every human effort on this earth has an end point, doesn't it? <laughs> you, know? you go to school, you finish your exams, done. You go to work, um, you, you manage to stay there 15, 20 years, you accomplish, you set up an organisation, you, you, you have some great achievements and then it's done. Yeah? Every human effort has an end point. You might say, but I've left things for people. I've left a really good structure at work or I've left houses for my kids. But at the end of the day, for you, it has an end point. It's done. It's dealt with. You can spend your whole life on something, but at the end of the day, it's not going with you anywhere. And if you take such pride in leaving a legacy in your name, then I would say, you know what? That's a, that's a really bad target you're going for. That's kind of off, off mark. Because you don't know what those people are going to do with your legacy. You know, mate, you, you could leave it for them and then within a year they've squandered everything. But what Paul is saying is this. Listen, I think what Paul is saying is this. When you're in the service of God, there is no end point. There is no end point. It's for eternity. And everything you do in the name of the Lord lasts forever. Boy, that's the kind of service I want to be part of. Every song I sing, every word I preach, every, every um, uh, uh, work that I do for someone, every time I bless someone, I give them a cup in the name of Jesus, I give them a meal in the name of whatever it is. It's an eternal service. You get that? And that's why the Bible says this in whole different ways. For example, it says, um, we do not um, have treasures that wear moth and rust can destroy and thieves break in to steal. Amen. We don't, we don't, we don't build those treasures. Uh, Jesus says that in Matthew. Rather, we build treasures, our treasures, you know, the conversations with people, praying for people, seeing them come to the Lord, helping someone, caring for people, reaching out to people. These things, these things we call people, not things. They last forever. And this world gets it all upside down because they, what do they do? They, they use people and love things. And God's saying, what are you doing? You're using people and loving things? That's not how I designed it to be. You've got to love people and use things. And so he says, you, your treasure is a treasure that's in heaven, that moth and rust cannot destroy, thieves cannot break in and steal. And then in another passage, Paul says a similar thing. He says, you know what? I'm a servant of the Lord. And the, the, it's like an athlete. An athlete trains really hard, really strictly. And what he does is this. He has self-control because the athlete knows in this earth he's fighting for a temporary crown or a perishable crown. He says, but we are doing it for an imperishable crown. Oh, this Christian thing, man, there's a lot of hard work and got to be self-controlled and grace. I've got to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. But the crown is imperishable. Everything you're investing your whole life into will last forever. If that doesn't, if that doesn't deserve all your time and your energy, I don't know what does. Whereas everything in this earth has a finish point. 
And that's why I think it's in 2 Corinthians when Paul's talking about the sufferings of this world. He says, but you know what? You've got to stop and think for a moment. The sufferings we're going through for Christ, they're not, they're not eternal. They're, they're temporary. And that's why he says we look at things that are eternal, not things that are temporary only. Because our whole vision is that it's going to last forever. That's why the Bible calls you pilgrims. Do you know that? That's why the whole reference to pilgrims, it's a strange concept. In fact, it uses the, uses the phrase, I think, um, uh, strangers and pilgrims or strangers and sojourners because it's an interesting concept because a pilgrim or a sojourner or a stranger is heading for a different city. That, that's the idea. It's heading for a different city. Now, it doesn't mean that you float through this earth with some... Um, uh, life that's not really in touch with reality <laughs> you know it's like you know your sort of heads in the clouds and your feet are sort of floating above the earth that's not what it's talking about you need to get real you need to get your hands dirty you need to get your feet dirty you need to do the things that need to be done on this earth and do it well but knowing that your kingdom and your city is beyond this earth it's imperishable. It's a work that goes far beyond the work that you're doing now. You're not limited by a work that's going to finish with you when you die. You go and you meet the glorious Lord and your works go with you. Hallelujah. There is no end point. So, yeah, the grace has appeared to all men. It's teaching us how to live life so we can become vessels of honor for the master. But all along, we're looking for the blessed hope of the coming of Jesus. Do you get that? So firstly, there's humility. Then there's purity. And perhaps for that one, you can say, then there's this incredible focus on what we're doing that lasts forever. Ah, oh, you can get sucked in with the world and the world can say, but do it this way and do it that way. You know, because why should you miss out? I won't. Anything that doesn't attach me to this world, I'm happy to do. I'm not saying don't do things, but as soon as it attaches me to this world, it's going to distract me. You go off and do things, whether they're leisure, leisure things or fun things or entertaining things. Go and do. But as soon as they attach you, they're going to distract you. And so what you've got to do is this that you've got to remember that you're, in the, you're, you're, you're free. You've left Egypt to serve a different master. And then finally, and we'll finish with this, remember that he gave himself for you. Uh, I'll read it out. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Are you zealous for good works? Because what God did, he did all this he said it is finished. He called you out of this world. He made you his own special people. This whole special people thing is like a word for treasure. You know, when you've got, you know, things in your house, there are things that you like and there are things that you really like. And the things that you really like, you take more care of. You place them in different places in the house. That's what God's saying is I've got things, I got things, I call it my special treasure. They are my people. <laughs> and, I, you know, it's like if you, if you, it's like if someone touches them, they're touching the apple of his eye. You know, because this is God. For him, it's like, don't, don't you dare touch them. Don't you dare touch, touch them. These are my people. They're in my service, and I'm going to look after them. They've left the world. They've left all the, the fancies of this world to serve me. You will not dare touch them unless I permit it for a reason. 
and say, God's got his own special people who have sacrificed their lives, who've laid down their lives, who've denied their flesh, who've come to the service of God and say, God, here I am, use me. And he says, he, he gave himself that he can redeem these from lawless deeds and then purify them, which is what we've been speaking about, to be his own special people, zealous for good work. This zealous, and I'm going to finish up in a moment, this zealous is interesting because it is an element of passion for good works. Now, at the risk of sounding like, oh, who's this guy preaching at the front? Let me make a confession. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every day feeling zealous. I don't know, maybe you do, but I don't wake up every day feeling, I'm going to serve the Lord today. I'm feeling passionate about serving the Lord today. I don't go to work every day feeling zealous about the things of the Lord. That's what happens. That's not my experience all the time. But I've been a Christian long enough to know that when all is said and done, the thing that I'm most passionate about, the thing that I want most in my life is to be in the service of God. And though I may not walk every day feeling the zealous passion of serving God, I'm settled in my heart that most times I'm ready to do his work. I'm ready and available. And I love this about God because he sees us where we're at. He understands where we're at. And whether we're out having a coffee with someone or whether we're intentionally going into the city to give out tracts, there's a readiness because when we strip it all back, when we pair it all back, when we, lay, we, we realize this is where I really want to be. The church, brothers and sisters, needs people like this. Not the church as in ANCF, but the church. The church of Jesus needs people like this. Humble yet zealous. Humble yet zealous leaders. Humble yet zealous servants. Humble yet zealous helpers. People who... When it all is said and done, absolutely committed to living his truth and sharing his truth. And I thank God for that. That he said to the devil and to this world, it's done, they're mine. Go and serve in the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Let's ask the Lord this morning to help us to even just burn on our hearts one thing, one thing, that by the power of the Holy Spirit we will go and remember and practice and do this week. Whether it's to do with humility or perhaps with the grace that allows us to deny ungodliness, whether it's the looking for the blessed hope or whether it's the zeal for good works, or something else maybe. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit may burn something on your heart. Be ready, brothers and sisters, that if someone was to ask you today, what is it that you took from this morning? 
that you're able, you're able really quickly to say, this is what I took from this moment. Not because Barry said it, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for your word that is uh, spoken to our lives. And you're a God who, who dealt with the enemy in all his ways. You set us free under the hand of a new master, the master of our souls. And we pray that by your grace that you may continue to cleanse and free us from all the things of this world, that we may be vessels of honour ready for your service, zealous and ready to do your work. Help us, Lord, not to think about it as some kind of big showcase of service, but rather a readiness to do whatever it is, however small it seems, hearts that are detached from this world and attached to Christ. In Jesus' name.